Hey folks, welcome back to Fed Protocols. Uh, here Sarbjit Johal and I, we discuss uh, dominant platforms in the software world that uh, have either already become uh, dominant uh, players uh, in software protocol uh, type of world, or they have a high chance of becoming one. And uh, today we're going to talk about a really great company. Uh, it's uh, the stock has been going ballistic, but obviously, you know, we are keeping our heads cool. We are uh, paying attention to technology. Um, it's called uh, C3 AI. It's uh, basically a SaaS uh, platform uh, for enterprises to let them uh, develop AI applications. They have a, a suite, uh, the studio, they have their own apps uh, and they have their own analytics uh, AI engine. And uh, super exciting company. We're gonna go deep uh, into that in a second. Uh, quick facts. Uh, founded in 2009 in California, they have about 500 employees. Uh, they already have huge customers like 3M, Shell, uh, United States Air Force, um, and uh, it's uh, run by uh, Tom Siebel, uh, who uh, sold his uh, Siebel Systems company to Oracle in uh, 2005. So a uh, pretty exciting company. Uh, so this is a quick background. Uh, Sarbjit, uh, thank you for being here uh, with me today. Uh, the floor is yours. Uh, you know, let us know what you think about uh, AI, C3 AI. Yeah, thanks, uh, Vitalik. Uh, yeah, I, I, we, we looked at this company. Um, I did some prep to talk about it today. And I think they're doing some interesting stuff, which uh, I have previously talked about a couple of times that we, at some point, to democratize, to democratize um, AI, ML, we need marketplaces, uh, which have the trained models built in, uh, and then you can just get that model and apply to your e-commerce, your healthcare problems, your um, fraud detection, uh, if you are in uh, financials, stuff like that, right? So. There are there are certain sort of finite set of problems we we try to solve in certain industries. They are pretty consistent across the board, and for those kind of problems which don't deviate from company to company, if you will, uh, within a vertical, um, we can get previously trained models from companies and apply them uh, to our companies, for example, right? So. Uh, third parties can train them and then put it out there. And because not everybody needs to train the models, like it's, it's a lot of effort and it takes time and you, you, uh, you name it. Um, Amazon, this um, last three weeks where Amazon's uh, uh, reinvent uh, annual event, usually it's three days, but three, four days annually, but um, this time it was three weeks. They announced uh, a marketplace for similar marketplace for AI models. And, and coming back to uh, C3AI, they are trying to do that uh, along with the models. They haven't, they haven't put the marketplace there yet, but I think they will eventually will. They, ha they should, I believe. Uh, I think they will force to in a way. Uh, mm -hmm. They have applications, what they call applications, 
uh, I think those are trained, previously trained models, what they call applications. And they have, I think, few of those already sort of built on the platform they are selling. So they are a platform company. Uh, that's how I see it, the, the messaging from them uh, online and some videos and stuff like that. So they are trying to be a, a platform company at the same time an applications company, which is, to me, they are a little bit confused, seriously. Uh, are they a platform company or are they an applications company? Uh, I think they have to pick one sort of front frontier and then run with it. They can have some applications, but they have to be primarily one or other, right? They have to say we are mainly an applications company, which is like a, uh, mainly a, in this case, mainly a pre-trained <laughs> Uh, AI models company, uh, or we are a platform company which you can use to cook up those models and you can have your own marketplace of pre-trained models. So I think that's where the industry will go, but uh, let's jump into it a little bit more. And um, I think it's pretty early in the in this space. Um, you can get the low hanging fruit easily by having these, as I said, these sort of uh, predefined uh, problem domains to solve them, fraud detection in healthcare, disease detection uh, and stuff like that. But um, I think uh, as we progress, the problems will deviate from company to company. And, and then, then um, uh, there's, a, there's a feature, there's a thing called feature in, in uh, data models, like you need features means that which variables carry how much weightage when you are training the models, right? So mm -hmm. um, now Amazon has the feature marketplace uh, idea. I think most of the bigger companies have similar marketplaces, especially the, the top three cloud providers. We usually talk about top four, you can say, but the Alibaba and they're also now, they will have a, similar marketplaces for models to be uh, procured from there. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about, you know, the problems that they are solving because, you know, every product has to, especially in the enterprise world, uh, in order to appeal to enterprise customers, they have to solve some real problems, some pain points and, uh, you know, by looking at uh, their apps, uh, and I'll get to the to your point about you know where you want to be a platform or an app company, uh, but uh, you know the apps that they are building uh, already have uh, that come with their uh, AI app development studio, the main product, the uh, C3 suite. Uh, you know, like banking, anti-money laundering, uh, inventory optimization, energy management. All those things, they, they literally save money if implemented correctly. And that's what enterprises do. They, they love saving money. So if somebody can help them save a lot of money, then, you know, there's no reason not to use the, uh, the products and the services of uh, those companies. Um, speaking of that um, aspect of, where you want to be a platform or an app company. Uh, 
it, it looks like that over 80% of revenue is basically a recurring SaaS uh, revenue for uh, C3 AI, which, you know, is great. Investors love recurring uh, revenue. Um, and actually over half of that uh, recurring revenue is coming from uh, C3 apps uh, that come with that platform, which basically means that apps is a big uh, part of the offering of the uh, from the C3 uh, because, you know, you can use the, uh, the apps that are already provided, the pre-trained models, um, and you can also leverage... Uh, the development studio and build uh, some of your own apps and, uh, you know, customize them. Uh, I don't know if C3 allows the customization of uh, uh, their native apps that come with the platform, but, uh, you know, I I personally don't think there's anything wrong with this mix uh, because, you know, there's a, those are two different platforms and revenue streams and they all kind of come together logically in the C3 suite, you can develop your own apps by and leverage the the APIs, the uh, the data analytics, the AI engines uh, of all kinds, whatever they uh, you know build into there. Uh, but you can also plug into those apps and start using those apps. And uh, obviously, those apps are based on the recurring revenue as well. So it's the same kind of you know. It may not technically be SaaS, uh, but, uh, you know, app as a service, if you will, app on top of SaaS. Um, So, and and speaking of servicing, uh, Tom Siebel mentioned that uh, about 15% of their revenue comes uh, from uh, services, but they want to keep it that way. They don't want to uh, grow their ratio because uh, obviously, uh, service companies are valued uh, slightly lower than product companies. So uh, in my opinion, uh, it's smart to kind of keep the ratio this way. Now, actually, and then I don't think they want to get in services. They have to do services because they, they're forced to do it because nobody else knows their technology. So somebody has to install it, configure it, and make it work. And for that, they need the services. And then for that, they're charging it, right? So... Um, and interestingly, they have put on their site, actually, their site is very compelling, like very, I mean, I'm impressed with it, the way they have laid it out. Um, they have the applications area and then they have the videos for each application, even though they are not consistent across these different applications, but there's a lot of information for people, the potential customers to take a look at. And they also, I am a big fan of telling the customers because I have most of my career, I have worked with the technology providers. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of telling our customers that what is the LOE from their end? What is the level of effort and how long it will take for them to put our technology in production in their environment, right? Mm -hmm. So on that note, they have done a good job of uh, sort of telling people like it will take, you know, uh, two hours of like a primary sort of first call, uh, discovery call, and then two days of workshops, and then uh, POC for uh, proof of concept if they have to do it. It's an optional step, uh, which most of the companies want to do it before they commit. And that takes, you know, n number of weeks. And then it takes, I think, about three to four or five months. I mean, you can take a look at their site to put that into production. Um, So they have that defined that timeline, what I'm trying to say. And... and, um, I think they 
I mean, again, coming back to the same uh, idea, like I think they have to be very clear, like the, the distinction between platform and the applications they're building on, on top of it. I will, personally, I will not call it applications. I will call it um, you know, trained, pre-trained models or something like that. I think industry will define that term for us mm-hmm. gradually. Um, it's in being talked about in like uh, in very uh, limited way right now. Um, but uh, I, I hope they will like adapt as as the industry sort of evolves. Um, yeah, it's a great domain to be honest with you. I think uh, that's there, that's where the future lies. Some like we had a we had a framework. We actually def- we were, we're trying to define folks who, who are listening or watching. We're trying to define a format for this podcast and or video cast or, or or this sort of show, if you will. Um, where we will have standard sort of like way to analyze different companies, like their competitors, what, who, who, how old is the technology is, what domain they are in, their, like who they compete with. And also most importantly, what are the roadblocks they can bump into? What are the gotchos? Uh, our, our goal is to educate you folks to, okay. The vendor will tell you like they're all the, you know, the best thing ever due diligence and find out like your goal is to future proof your investments and not commit to a technology which can be short lived or or can corner you into corner you can't get out of so um yeah i think we should touch upon a few things uh um, telling um like what what are the challenges of implementing such a thing putting such a thing in production in, in a company i i believe um that the access to data, what they need to feed to these models, um, that is uh, that is interesting problem to solve in most of the companies. They, all these models or applications need feeds of data. Mm-hmm. The simpler models, let's say, need, let's say, eight to 12 sort of uh, streams of data coming in from different sort of sources. But as you go further, the models become complex, which you will build your own or you will buy what they call application from them. Then the actually the thing with the ML is the more data you put into it, right? Um, more variables are part, which are part of the model, better the outcomes are, right? If you have eight uh, yeah. sort of features in, fed into the model versus 24, I mean, you can just imagine. And then managing 24 is like it, the, the algorithms, the, the problem sort of multiplies exponentially kind of oh, yeah. in a way. Simplicity uh, always wins. Yeah. So simplicity wins, but at the same time, simplicity can give you false positives or like not very accurate results as they will happen in real life. Mm-hmm. So a goal is always with ML to, to be very sort of close to the real life uh, sort of uh, predictions and or uh, simulations, if you will. So I think the the availability of that data, which needs to be fed into these these models, that will be a big uh, uh, undertaking for most of the companies which want to put ML AI into production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, I I hope they uh, C3 AI will build tools or partner with some other companies 
like Snowflake uh, and Databricks and others to to build some connectors and stuff like that to bring that data in. Um, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of data, and I'll get back to the services. I have one comment left on the services part, but um, I, I see on their website that uh, they already have, you know, COVID-19 data lake uh, C3 AI application. Uh, so maybe they are, and it's, you know, unified uh, data image of COVID-19 data publicly available at no cost, basically. So they made it free, I guess. Um, so yeah, pulling all the data, unifying it, structuring it, preparing for, you know, train models and things like that. Um, it's uh, one of those things that they obviously will be uh, doing and they already are. Um, going back to the services, I, I totally agree that, you know, uh, you still need uh, specialists to install those platforms, help you, help you with uh, deploying and applications. Uh, but I also think that uh, they may not necessarily do that themselves because if uh, there's an ecosystem or like, you know, there's so many Shopify consultants, right? Uh, or uh, I worked for a implementation partner for Oracle Commerce Cloud when, you know, a huge enterprise client uh, signs up for Oracle Commerce Cloud platform to build their e-commerce uh, website or on top of. Uh, our com my company from California wa was, you know, is being deployed on that project uh, very uh, uh, seldom uh, Oracle would do that themselves. Uh, they will most likely provide a couple of developers to help you or maybe a project manager, but you, you really need to use uh, partners like my former company to help you uh, deploy, set up, launch, and then, you know, customize uh, uh, functionality and things like that. Yeah. So, the, so, you know, they may actually uh, encourage uh, if there's enough uh, money on the table for those third-party companies to come in and specialize in uh, C3 AI implementation uh, and deployment, um, that can be, you know, C3 can just focus on building products and leveraging the partner yeah. network for that. So, and keep the service revenue ratio low uh, for, you know, the investor <laughs> uh, pleasing purposes, I guess. Um, yeah, actually, it, it goes with age of the company. Like in the beginning, the SI service integrators and and those third parties will not uh, take a bite uh, of that, you know, um, on your company. Like they will not um, train their people unless you get some traction out there, right? So um, it's chicken and egg problem for many companies, and many companies have to build a decent size services uh, arm to. To service their their um, their own technology for a while, I think it, as I said earlier, it's out of necessity. They have mm -hmm. to build it, mm -hmm. and 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 there's a trick to it also. Um, uh, I bet Tom Siegel is very uh, sort of shrewd in that area. He's a industry um, sort of uh, old timer, if you will. He has done quite a few uh, sort of. Um, startups if you will and Siebel was the most successful one he has mm -hmm. done so far so he is an investor so he has that vantage point I guess um, that you have to um, how should I put it um, you have to have that sort of sort of mix 
the perfect mix of product and services and and yeah yeah and I'm like I lost my thought for a minute. So you have to make sure that you are taking some partners with you and you're training them as you go, and you're educating your uh, partners um, um, uh, very um, aggressively almost right. So you put some money on the table or to train them and or free um, education. Um, so this is one thing I usually say, like a broken record, to outcompete your competition, you have to out-educate the market, mm. right? So that's, you have to. Smart. Uh, so you have to train people like crazy out there, and you have to give them um, free access to developers. Uh, the in this case, uh, the machine learning data scientists and and uh, and. Yeah, ML people, you can say in general, right? So quite a few personas within machine learning and AI. So you want to uh, give them free taste of your uh, of your platform, if you will. Um, and there's the trick to it. Because, I mean, like, it's not, I mean, it's not hidden thing. Like anybody who, accessibility is huge. Uh, part of going to market, GTM, or we call go-to-market strategy, accessibility, Mm-hmm. of your technology, how easy I can get to it. If it's behind the sort of high walls, um, it, it only flies so far. And we have seen it time and again. Um, if Amazon puts up similar stuff, a, a, a platform, right, which they have, C3IA has it, uh, maybe that's why they are made, maybe more leaning towards the uh, applications, what I usually call models, uh, is that the, anybody... Another company, and not anybody, another company which has big footprint with the customer base, they can come up with a platform and push it out um, because people, this is another concept, okay, back up a little bit. This is another concept, I, uh, uh, a term I'm trying to uh, popularize is the future proximity. Feature proximity, not future. Mm-hmm. Like when you are doing a thing in a software, Right, you're already do, already doing e-commerce. You're already doing um, healthcare applications. You're already doing what you're doing, right? And you have to do another thing, right? You now you want to use AI on top of it, ML AI, right, on the existing mm-hmm. data. So you will tend to go to the vendor which you're already working with, right? That's it's it, the new feature is next to it. Sure. Like that's why we will shop at Walmart or, or Target we go to one place and then we pick a bunch of things from one place. You're not going from store to store to store because creating a contract with a new vendor and calling them in, learning their APIs, learning their, just, just the matter of just logging into those, like the, your authentication and uh, your active directory hookup and all that. It takes, takes a while. So if you can get the same service from existing vendor, even if it's a little subpar or it's a little bit less attractive, uh, you'll go with that because of the feature proximity. And there's, along with that goes an idea, which I am uh, trying to come up with these catchy phrases or terms, is the, the, the skills gravity. Skills have gravity. So once you know something, you will tend to use that same thing, same API. Uh, same way of, if it's a language, somebody has 
developed, right? A scripting language. You will, once you learn that, you don't want to learn another one, right? So I think, I think the feature proximity and skill gravity are key for, for new companies to understand. And for that, I say, you know, you got to educate mm-hmm. your masses like crazy. You want to create that um, uh, sort of skills gravity faster. Um, skills gravity is easier to create than feature proximity because for feature proximity, you as a company has to have a lot of features, breadth right. of services, right? So, yeah, this this talk is turning into more like industry level talk. I, well, I, I love it, you know. Feature proximity, skill gravity, those are, you know, critical phrases. I, uh, yeah. I, I write yeah, them Yeah, down. they are actually, I've, I've spent a lot of time on sort of... <laughs> you should start patenting some of them. Uh, so every time somebody uses them on a podcast, you send them the invoice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, so my next thing as, as we follow our uh, format, our discussion format, um, I wanted to touch on the competition uh and you know also talk about how um it was that that ai application development problem was solved before and i would love to um hear from you uh on the from your experience because you probably while you worked on all those enterprise products i'm sure there was some analytics machine learning things involved maybe not at scale as you know ai exists today especially with the c3 uh, platform, but obviously you will have uh, a lot of uh, insights into that. Uh, but you know that that skill gravity thing. I wonder if any skill exists on the market today that actually has enough gravity to be a problem for companies like C three AI because you know AI is relatively. I mean, obviously, you know, people have been talking about that forever, but as companies actually starting to get their feet wet, uh, the reality is that there's not a lot of skills, uh, you know, a decade long skills uh, that can, uh, you know, be a problem for companies like C3 to promote their platforms. There's no, uh, you know, C2 AI, if you will, right, that has (laughs) 10 years. Yeah, yes. and you that see, uh, has, you know, C2 skill gravity, yeah. and now people have to relearn uh, to the new C3 skill. No, um, I, yeah, I, I, go ahead, sorry, finish your thought. Yeah, and so with that said, kind of jumping in, back into our format, uh, how this was solved before, uh, you know, as one of our format uh, points. Before, after, yeah, before and after, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. it was in-house mostly uh, from, I saw a Tom Sibel interview, he mentioned uh, that like GE put in like a few billion dollars into trying to build their own AI platform or AI application development platform. And uh, apparently it didn't work. I didn't verify that information. I'll just kind of go. No, I know, actually I went to said. this. I went to that center here in San Ramon mm-hmm. where they were spending in sort of burning a lot of dollars there. Um, yeah, they so had co- in-house application, which means you know high fragmentation and uh, high customization. So you can say that, but some people tried building; they are still trying, and they will keep trying building platforms, right? So GE wanted to build an industrial 
IIoT platform. And part of that platform was intelligence, uh, which mm-hmm. is which was based on like they will use ML and AI as part of that. Like if, if there's a, I don't think you will find any company which will not talk about AI and ML, uh, ML first then AI in their ta- in their product portfolio and or their platforms. Um, and, and I think it, it, okay. ML and AI are very relative sort of terms in a way that you can do a little bit of it or you can do a lot of it and you can say, we do it. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it was like, like we used to do, we say cloud washing, like a lot of people did cloud washing, like, Oh, we do cloud, we do cloud, but we know how many people do it and um, which companies sort of emerged as winners. Not many three now top here and mostly where we talk about four, you can say, or maybe 10 max. Right. So, but everybody will say that they're doing cloud, but then what part of the cloud you're doing, what part, part of the AI in this case, or ML you're doing, are you per- helping people prepare for data for the models? Right. Are you creating the models? Are you, uh, are you good at inference? You know, do you have better chips to do it faster? Mm-hmm. What will make it cheaper for you to operate? To create stuff is one thing. To operate it is another thing, which I actually talk talked about during our analysis of the Amazon's CTO's uh, keynote <laughs> sort of analysis we are doing on the cube. So there's one thing to create something. It's very attractive. It's like you know, very new thing, and you know. You, developers will hop onto it like very quickly, but then you have to operate that stuff, right? Um, in this case, in, in data uh, science, ML, AI world is the inference, right? And to be honest with you, I think the it's a lure of the data, uh, sort of data science and AI is people think it's like they will cook it up and then they will put the model into production that it's inferring, right? Inferencing is happening and it's giving you the results based on what, what it learned. But I, I believe the best models will be the ones which are always learning, you know? So the things oh, change around us. Yeah. So the thing between, what is different between what we usually think is a great thing. Most people like it. Let's back up a little bit now. You got to understand the basics. Right? I think we got all need to understand the basics b- before we go into advanced sort of topics to build the context. So the difference between human intelligence and the machine intelligence, we have to understand that a little bit at more minute level before we can say machines are machines cannot surpass us in intelligence and stuff like that. I I think even I think uh, it, it seems easy for predefined problems. Easy, you know. Most people will uh, confuse the um, like computation power with intelligence. If you can think compute things faster, that doesn't occur to intelligence. I believe That's intelligence right. is a mix of you being able to compute things faster and correlate faster at the same like f- correlation and causation. Those th- things like the context, bringing the context in when you're making a decision, uh, that is critical, right? So if you miss a contextual variable, which is very important, right? So for example, I will give you a simple example, like all the models are running fine, fine, fine. And 
you know, March 2020 hits and there's a pandemic. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. What happens to your models? Well, that's, that's a black swan for any model, I guess. Right. So it's, it's a stress test for model. Sure. Um, it, similar kind of things can happen at a smaller scale. You know, a company loses contract or uh, a, a geopolitical um, th- sort of thing happens in where your customer base is and then now customers can't buy that thing. You can't ship stuff. You can't move, you mm-hmm. know, bits. Whatever happens with the, the, uh, with the stroke of a pen, you can change, like, you know, like who can move the data into Europe and Europe says, like, we can't do this with you. Right. Um, you know, North America, you know, like stuff like that. So, uh, so th- what, what I'm trying to say is that, that models need to be always learning. That's number one thing. Number two thing is the difference between humans and, and machines is most of the times we, we think of machines that they, they are always learning more and more. So they, they knew five things yesterday. Now they know six tomorrow. They will know seven. And I mean, I'm just simplifying it, mm-hmm. but, but with the humans, we learn, learn, as we learn, we unlearn a lot of stuff. Our models don't know how to unlearn right now. They need to know how to unlearn. Uh, so that means they have to be always learning, right? And this, you're doing inference, and while they're learning, you're, you're improving the models all the time. So I think we need those facilities in place. But having said that, you can have certain models, models in this case, data science models in place, which are time tested. For example, I used to work at Visa, um, so fraud detection algorithms and stuff like that. There's some basic patterns you can see. Look, okay, Sarbjeet goes to these stores and he spends on average monthly, you know, you know, 10 grand or five grand, whatever on his credit mm-hmm. card. Um, and Cindy goes to these stores and she spent this much. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, this somebody is trying to run a transaction Right. which is like three or four times of that normal average transaction what Cindy does. And then boom, red flag comes and transaction is not approved. And actually you will notice during holidays, mm-hmm. um, card companies tighten that thing up because there's a lot of fraud during holidays. Um, and I got actually burned, uh, personal story. <laughs> I ordered some stuff from uh, um, the clothing, uh, um, uh, one of my, my favorite brands right uh this is j crew and i ordered some stuff it was on sale it was a half price almost the stuff i like right and then i missed that thing because credit card company i, I was ordering at 11 p.m or something they just refused that thing right and i didn't know it till the morning and oh, wow. even in, in the morning they say oh did you try buying this stuff on a text message. I press one for yes, two for no. I pressed one. I thought my transaction went through, but it didn't go through at night. So it, did, it didn't go through. And then another mishap happened. Um, I ordered a Dell monitor from Dell and similar thing happened on that mm-hmm. one. Cause I think I'm spending too much money during holidays. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going away from my normal threshold, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they are rejecting some of my, my, um, they they think there's a fraud going on on my car. Right, right, right. right. So, anyways, so I miss, uh, I didn't miss that monitor. I thought I didn't get the monitor, but they, I got the monitor and shipped at home. So, I, and then I ordered because I thought I didn't get the monitor. I ordered one for Amazon, and now I have two monitors. I have to ship back to to Dell. So there's a lot of mishap happening uh, um, during the, these times. 
So the holiday hits, your model is going to flop. Um, you know, the point I'm trying to make is mm-hmm. it seems very easy problem to solve, but it is really not. Uh, so you have to keep those things in mind. And the people, I am not the data scientist actually, even though I, I read a lot on it and I've done a lot of, you know, work in that domain previously, mm-hmm. analytics and all that stuff, you can't avoid it, right? But I, I, but I talk to the ones who are doing current today's um, data science using, you know, TensorFlow sort of, and other libraries and stuff like that. Um, some people working at, I will not name the companies, uh, they're doing real stuff, right? Uh, so they have told me this one thing, one takeaway for ML AI is that you can have all the best platforms of whatever libraries you, you have it, right? But if you don't have the business expertise in the team, domain knowledge, you will fail. You will fail big time. means like mm. you will fail for sure, right? Because you don't understand the business side of things, like which variable carries what kind of weightage. You have to feed that to the models, right? Mm. So for if you are... Uh, uh, some kind of clothing company or shoe company, you got to know the weather pattern. Like, mm-hmm. what, like what's the weather pattern, right? What kind of clothing you will sell? Like, you know, will people buy your rain hoodie or what, you know? So you got to know that, right? Um, for example. And yeah, it's, uh, I'll stop there. I can talk for hours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the, yeah, this is, uh, this is pretty legit. Um, uh, your, uh, J. Crew and uh, Dell uh, <laughs> purchasing example uh, reminded me of a funny thing in the Friends uh, episode, mm-hmm. the old TV show Friends, when uh, you know in the first uh, season when Rachel, you know, ran away from the wedding, uh, gave up uh, the parents and her credit cards and started living with Monica, and then they get a phone call. Monica picks up the phone and says, "Rachel, it's your bank." And uh, they said, there's unusual activity on your credit card. And she's like, I haven't used this uh, credit card for months. And she says, that's the unusual activity. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's been some uh, uh, AI machine learning back in 1994 or whatever that uh, year. Yeah, we, the, we had uh, the fraud detection uh, models in at Visa, um, it, it works on TPF technology, old IBM TPF technology, which is a very fast protocol. Mm-hmm. So um, technology protocol, in this case, not business protocol. Um, so yeah, it's not new. Awesome. Um, so, you know, speaking of the competition, so basically if, um, if we for now assume, because I personally don't have uh, any better information than that, that, you know, most of the attempts to, do something for enterprises versus what C3 is offering now was basically, you know, build something in-house. Currently, how it's solved, it looks like a lot of companies are still uh, trying to solve that uh, in-house. And as Tom Siebel uh, put it in the interview, and obviously, you know, uh, we should not be trusting what he says because, you know, he might, you know, make things pretty for yeah, some uh, interview purposes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it sounds like based on what he says, uh, a lot of companies are attempting to use, for example, Snowflake as a component 
uh, and then build some of their own AI stuff on top of that. Or they can use, you know, things like Alteryx or Databricks or Datastax H2O.AI data robot. robot. Uh, while C3 uh, presumably offers a lot of that or all of that inside their platform. Like for example, Tom said that uh, Alteryx, for example, is, you know, X machina uh, product that they have uh, in their uh, suite uh, of uh, products. So uh, I don't know if you have any, you know, industry knowledge or maybe you did a deeper research than I did, but uh, that's what I basically kind of gathered uh, about the current state of the industry for the uh, C3 competition. Yeah, I think the like one of the, for listeners or viewers, um, one of the things we we thought we'll talk about is like what how it was done and how it is trying what we were trying to do in the industry where it is and where we can go right. Mm-hmm. So what it is, what it can be. So it's a frame for conveying ideas. So yeah, what it is is that it's homegrown mostly. Um, Industry is pretty smart. People are, in general, very smart. Masses are smarter than individuals. We know that. Um, and we, we talk about this, this problem we, we, we are bumping into, that the people who have a lot of data, right, they have a lot of ML and AI. Amazon mm-hmm. can kick your butt in retail or e-tail, in this case. Oh, sure. Like crazy. Right, so th- well, they, Shopify is still fighting. They're still Shopify on the Shopify is still fighting. <laughs> Shopify has a different model, right? But uh, they they are cracking that nut uh, in a different way. But but the recommendation engine, the the rating engines are mature, right? You can trust the the reviews given by the. Uh, you can trust the reviews on the books and or other things, electronics and all that stuff on Amazon. So it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know if you do this or not, if our viewers do that or not. I think they do that. You can tell us if you do guys in comments and, and or you know, on Twitter with our Twitter handles and all that stuff. Like when I go to even Walmart or Target to buy something, I take out the Amazon app and take a look at the product, which is sitting right in front of me at Target Mm-hmm. And so like, what, because I need it right now. I was like, what's the rating of this, you know, paint color versus that over the counter paint color, for example, or the pens I'm trying to buy or people like whatever you're trying to buy. You try to look for the ratings. You, you don't Google it. You usually Google, you usually go to uh, Amazon to find the ratings of the product. Well, if pro- that product is lot like Amazon by- owns over 60% of the product search globally at this point. So yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you get the point, I think uh, because they have data and they have better models, right? Like Google's owns the search. They had mm-hmm. a lot of data and then they built models. I mean, that's what their secret sauce is. Their secret sauce is the algos, right? So everybody's after the data. Yes. Data yes. Is the... So it's, there's, there's a problem of haves and have nots in data. Like we usually talk about haves and have not in money. Like there are people. Uh, folks, uh, we are back. We experienced uh, internet slash computer crashing slash zoom crashing problem. Uh, ridiculous uh, how technology still works in 2020. Um, anyway, uh, Sarbjit uh, hopefully, you know, finished uh, his thought process. 
while he was talking uh, when the uh, crash occurred. Uh, we have to wrap it up uh, pretty soon uh, because we didn't plan for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes of downtime. And so, uh, Sabjit, uh, you know, do you have any uh, kind of wrapping thoughts on, you know, what are the barriers for entry for new companies? Who can make uh, life uh, difficult for C3? And how do you see the, the future of uh, this company and the market as a whole? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you're back. Uh, so, yeah, what two sections we have in our sort of framework for our talks is that we'll talk about the competitors and the barrier to entry and who else can enter and can this vendor, what we talk about, uh, sustain the success they have and or expand on it, right? So I think... Um, I think uh, there, there are so many other vendors taking a stab at AI, ML, creating platforms. Um, there are fewer ones who are thinking about creating vertical industry solutions and, and C3i falls under that, I believe. They're less of a platform as of now. And I think going forward also, it's hard to create a platform when you don't have other platforms next to it, you know, if it's not wide enough, it's gonna, right. mm-hmm. it doesn't fly that much. Um, uh, unless they open source some of it. I mean, that's another way they can approach it and then open source the platform, but they make money from, you know, the models uh, marketplace and stuff like that. Um, the barrier to entry, I think is, is uh, um, not huge, but uh, but at the same time, it is huge in a way that if you have a head start and you mature your technology quickly, it's it becomes that that becomes a barrier. So the knowledge base you accumulate uh, that becomes a barrier. It's not the monetary thing. Like you can even if you had unlimited amount of money, many companies do, like Apple and and uh, even in, uh, Oracle has like I think forty billion in ca- like in, in reserves, if you will, uh, cash, you can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just throw money at the problem and, and, and win. So I think that having that know-how and the talent in, at hand and and um, and then you go to market strategy is solid and you have good partnership analysis in place, um, that those become, uh, for other people, a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope uh, Tom Siebel and his, some of his lieutenants if you will, um, if you are in the war, <laughs> um, they are listening to people like us. Hopefully they will listen to this, this uh, podcast and or uh, if you put this on uh, YouTube and then uh, listen to us that they need actually, I, I strongly believe they need uh, good partnerships and alliances. Uh, they can't win this alone. Uh, they can't say that we are part platform and we are applications people. So they have to sort of pick and choose from, they have to stress one or another sort of uh, part. And uh, they, another uh, sort of, uh, another sort of few other words of wisdom is like they need to train the partners, SIs or others uh, like crazy, you know, um, take a hit, you know, at cost or below cost, you know, uh, to, out-compete, you have out-educate the market. Um, 
without developers, you are nothing as a tech company. Mm-hmm. I almost, I almost, almost, I mean, you can always, always, almost say that, uh, almost, always, always, almost. <laughs> uh, uh, that um, yeah, developers can pick you up and uh, make you kings and queens. So hug your developers, train developers, um, and. Yeah, I think go-to-market strategy, which you, which they already have in place. I mean, it's not a very early stage startup by mm-hmm. no means. Um, yeah, they've been there for ten years. I think next uh, next year or so, twenty twenty-one will be critical for them. No, definitely next two years, but but twenty twenty-one will be very critical, uh, and see how they get more traction. Because like the fact is that the Amazons of the world and Azures of the world and and Google Clouds of the world they're eating up. A lunch of many other companies and you got to be very clever about you know finding oh, your sure. niche and and surviving in in this uh, usually called meta platforms we usually talk about and they have a lot more functionality and feature proximity and also a lot of developers are trained on them uh, so yeah i awesome yeah, that, those um, are my departing thoughts yeah and uh if you give me a couple of minutes uh, i'll mm-hmm. just wrap it up with a couple of other things Sure. Um, so uh, I think Tom Sibyl will uh, leverage, you know, like you said, you need partners and uh, alliances. Um, Tom Sibyl hopefully is leveraging the um, his network connections from the Sibyl world, right? Like he knows all enterprise customer CEOs and CTOs by name, yeah. right? And <laughs> all their phone numbers in his phone book. Um, speaking of partners, uh, Microsoft, uh, invested $50 million at the IPO price uh, when uh, um, C3 uh, IPO'd uh, last week, uh, which basically means uh, they have about roughly uh, 1 million uh, shares of uh, C3. And uh, when asked about that, uh, Tom Sibyl said that uh, it's not really about, you know, investing, it's more about the partnership. So it looks like they're partnering with Microsoft on integrating with, uh, you know, various technologies. Um, I agree that, you know, the next year will be critical uh, for them to continue to be attractive to investors uh, and the markets. Uh, They probably want to, you know, sign up more customers, more big customers, maybe make a couple of acquisitions uh, of some kind to, you know, appeal to certain investors who like companies acquiring uh, smaller companies to, you know, uh, cover some gaps or, you know, add more uh, functionality to their platform. And uh, w- one thing I'll quickly mention is that I am personally really excited about potential. I have no idea if they are going to do that, if it's on their roadmap at some point, but it would be really cool if they had uh, some kind of their, you know, marketplace, like you said, app store or pre-trained uh, AI model uh, store where, you know, all kinds of third-party developers and companies can jump in and start building on top of that platform. And just like on Shopify, you know, you set up your store, uh, Shopify gives you some basic functionality, some of their native apps, but then, you know, you can use uh, the marketplace to buy uh, the recurring subscription, uh, you know, for your store, that's a third party application and you'll be paying for that. So hopefully they can create that uh, ecosystem uh, for that by launching some kind of the app store on top of their uh, platform. And uh, quickly, I want to wrap up that, uh, you know, they're 
2020 revenue was 157 million, which was up 71% year over year, which is quite uh, nice uh, for a company like that. And uh, speaking of money, like you said, uh, companies need money. Uh, my guess, they have about half a billion dollars in the bank. Uh, they had about 100 million from previous raises and uh, they presumably raised around four, um, hundred million from the IPO last week. So I think money-wise, they should be in a good shape. They are not profitable yet, but uh, hopefully they will be uh, soon. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the end of my rant and uh, we can uh, uh, wrap it up here. Uh, Subject, any final words or uh, we are good? No, I think I think we're good. I, I, I wish them all the best and they're, they're uh, congratulating the team. Um, and on their successful IPO, and I hope they can sustain this price and and and, and the growth in the IPO price mm-hmm. uh, and growth in the company. Um, yeah, it, it, they will have some fierce competition for sure. I I know that. I mean, like my gut says I've been in industry for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. The domain they are in, the kind of stuff they're trying to do, um, it uh, they will be uh, squeezed from different angles. And I hope they can uh, stay um, sort of uh, relevant for a long time to come. Uh, and and so, like uh, on that note, I think uh, they will. They right now they they can be a good um, uh, acquisition target. You know, there's value around seventeen billion or something like that. Um, it's, it seems like a lot of money, but um, because money is cheap these days, uh, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. not a lot of money. So. Um, uh, for some other companies to buy them, uh, but the, with the revenue, you know, revenue to the market cap, you know, that ratio, if you will, I'm not a financial analyst or anything like that, any by no sort of stretch of <laughs> imagination, but I, I think it's very far apart, and uh, um, yeah, the multiples are kind of odd, and even even though they're in the pure software space. Uh, pure AI, very hot space. Still, I think at some point rubber needs to meet the road, and right. um, that's uh, that's when the tide goes down. And you know, who said that? Like, I think uh, Buffett. Buffett said that. You know who's swimming naked. You know, so we'll, yeah. we'll find out. Hopefully, they will do good. Um, at, so far, I, I like what they have put together. I like the the, the the way they're telling the story. I think they can be a little more clear on if they're a platform or, or services com- uh, platform or or applications company. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, they don't want to be services company, but um, we'll, we'll see. With that, I'm awesome. done. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah, I'll make a quick disclaimer that I uh, hold some shares of the company, and I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and uh, yeah, totally looking forward. Uh, how Tom uh, will apply his, you know, industry veteran type of experience into this uh, new world because obviously he's been around the block, um, had an enterprise uh, software company that sold to Oracle for six billion, and uh, yeah, it's uh, not that uh, small of a deal. I think um, for the disclaimer, next time try to make that upfront uh, so people when they're listening. And by the way, this is by no means an investment advice. I, I don't take these discussions from that angle. You might, I don't. So, um, but uh, try disclosing that upfront. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally uh, talking about technology and the market, but, you know, making that disclaimer is obviously uh, uh, the right thing to do. Uh, but yeah, uh, next time we will uh, mention that in the uh, beginning. Um, so yeah, well, thank you, Sarabjit, so much. I learned so much from you today, uh, from your uh, insights and, uh, you know, things like skill gravity is going to be now in my uh, vocab. Uh, hopefully you will <laughs> not charge me for that if you end up patenting uh, this phrase. Uh, so, um, yeah, thank you guys for, uh, tuning in and, uh, hope you, uh, liked, uh, our conversation and, uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, you know, um, give us, uh, whatever the number of stars you think we deserve. And, uh, we will be back uh, next year with, uh, another interesting company, uh, to discuss. Uh, thank you, and, and happy holidays to all of you and happy new year and Merry Christmas, whoever celebrates. Thank you. Happy Happy holidays to you guys. Yes. uh, Have a good day. Good day. All right. Bye.